This is the ZMAR Podcast. Elite Benefits of America helps small and mid-sized companies with their health insurance programs. And now, your host, Butch ZMAR. We're going to walk through some opportunities or, or different ways that we could talk through health insurance during a time like this with the coronavirus. There are some people that need some guidance or they're not sure what else to do. I thought we'd do a video to kind of walk through some of those options. We got Eric Wilson also from the Chicagoland area. And then we have Jason, which is out of the Indianapolis area. We're going to talk through, give our two cents. Maybe there's some value that could be provided. So real quick, uh, Eric, Eric, over the last week or so, have you taken any phone calls and had like people get scared or kind of trying to figure things out with healthcare? What have you experienced over the last week? Uh, not really scared, but more questions on you know because a lot of talk about what's being covered by 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 insurance and what's not. Uh, you know, they've they've, they've put action in to, to to create the treatment, the not the treatment, but the the initial test as preventative care. Uh, but that's different than being everything covered. You know, you, you, this, you, know, you get the great old covered expense thing, uh, which doesn't really cover the treatment. So that, that was one thing I was just cautioning every, everybody about. Just understand that, you know, you go for the testing kit, great. You're, you know, that will be, with most insurance companies, be no charge uh, to you. But that doesn't mean if you are, you know, if you are diagnosed with it, that, it, that you'll have no charges the rest of the way. Right. That's true. True. How about you, Jason? And what have you experienced so far? Yeah, you know, uh, it was kind of interesting. I had some uh, some leads that I had talked to several months ago, and you know, they're they're approaching Medicare. And uh, the the one lady, she's like, "Hey, you know, I'm gonna be 65 in July. Uh, I'm just gonna ride it out. She's in great health." And she's like, "I'm I'm not too worried about this." Um, got a text message a few days ago. She says, "Hey, on second thought, uh, what can we do?" You know. And uh, she recognizes that this is maybe isn't the best time to be without health coverage. And uh, so we were able to, to get her taken care of on a short-term medical plan. And uh, so, I mean, that, that's kind of the, the calls. I haven't had a lot of calls from, from current clients. I think everyone's just kind of hunkering down. And um, we're pretty lucky over here in Indiana so far. Not a, a whole lot of reported cases. And so we're just hoping that, that everyone stays healthy. And that's great too. Yeah, Chicago is obviously going through their little chain of, chain of events with uh, shutdowns, and there's lack of employment opportunity. And there's people that are out of jobs or on standby or some type of furlough to try to buy some time through this period. Uh, I know I've received some phone calls of people losing insurance. They're not really sure. It's not a whole lot of those calls. Um, it's not uh, as busy as I thought it would be as far as the phone activity, but more so I've had businesses call on the uh, firm and the employer sponsor plans, like what kind of action steps do they need to take place? What things they need to know about if they needed to go through a massive layoff or if everybody got laid off all at once, what do we do about the people on the health plans? Uh, what if they're only out for a month or two and what if they come back? And so those are some of the questions that are coming about, but but of course, if somebody's employed, and you guys already know this, but if somebody's employed and they let them go because of whatever reason, they don't have the cash flow, so they got to lay all these people off, it's a qualifying event. And so 
they're able to purchase health insurance on their own through the exchange or off exchange, uh, whatever is going to suit their, their needs at that moment in time. Some people will qualify for tax credits, some won't. But also for those who don't receive the tax credit opportunity because of their income or filing status, uh, COBRA may be the best deal in town. Uh, it just depends on the options. I know all throughout Chicagoland for the last couple of years, COBRA has been the better deal uh, assuming that there's no tax credits involved. How about you, Eric? Have you been experiencing the same thing with that? Uh, I haven't had too many of, the, of, the, of that type of, I mean, from a Cobra side of things over the last couple of years, yes. I mean, as far mm-hmm. as the, the calls people being laid off, I haven't had any of that stuff yet. Mm-hmm. Although not, not that I don't expect it to happen. I know I don't think anybody's really actually laid off yet. They're just not working for a couple of weeks to see what happens. Sure, sure. And, and Jason, you could probably confirm this too, where uh, obviously the loss of coverage is the qualifying event and they have 60 days to purchase uh, on the exchange. And I know in the Chicago market, at least, and I'm sure this is everywhere too. I know Eric does more nationwide business than I do, but the biggest concern is going to be providers and then what that income is going to be when you start filling out that application. Those are the biggest tricks. Yeah. I mean, you know, what you say there, uh, yeah, two, you brought up two really great points, you know, and I, you know, I, I really deal in Indiana as far as uh, the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare type mm-hmm. insurance plans. Both of the carriers that we have have very restrictive um, or, 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 you know, quite restrictive networks, uh, HMO, EPO type um, networks. And so, yeah, you want to make sure that your your doctors are going to be able to see, you know, your providers. But, I mean, at the end of the day, um Having health insurance is the most important thing, uh, I would say, uh, whether, you know, for the short term, well, you have to see a different doctor or go to a different facility. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that is what it is. But you bring up a point about the income. And and I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people don't understand how the, the, the subsidies work, how the premium tax credits work, and, you know, how that all plays out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think there's some opportunities in this situation where, you know, people may have reduced incomes to maybe help them help themselves out in the short term, but they want to be careful if they do take advantage of those uh, premium tax credits in the long run, because those premium tax credits, so let's just back up a half a step. What is a premium tax credit for people? If your income uh, is at a certain level, the, the government, the federal government actually will subsidize your health insurance premiums and you qualify for a certain amount of premium tax credit based on your annual, uh, they call it the modified adjusted gross income. And based on that income amount, you get this credit for the whole year. They take a portion of that tax credit and pay it directly to your health insurance company each month. But if your income dips for maybe a month, two months, three months, four months, but the rest of the months, your income is high enough that you don't qualify, you may have to pay back uh, that premium tax credit, that that subsidy that you got for those three or four months if you are a, a fairly high wage earner in the other months that offsets it. So, I like the idea if someone is, is, you know, right on the edge, like, hey, I can't afford my insurance. Um, I'm going to have to cut it because I'm laid off or for whatever reason. Let's see if we can help you out, get that premium tax credit, get you through this season where your income's low. But just know on the backside, you may have to pay some of that back. 
point. Good point. Uh, and I know, Eric, you deal with some of these hospital plans a lot more than I do. Obviously, those are optional throughout the entire year, but can you comment on the, the pros and cons to those hospital plans? Well, sure. I mean, and, and, and there's good ones and bad ones. And, and typically, I would package it with something else, but the hospital plan is, is, a, is a very basic policy. You know, it covers, and most of all, some of of doctor visits as well, but it'll cover a fixed amount for every, for every scenario. I, I had a client just the other day who had a procedure in the, it was a podiatrist, actually, a lady in Michigan just said, why did I get a check back for this claim? And basically, the way the, way the procedure was, it was, a, it was a something on her foot. I don't know. It was, a, it was a surgery done by the doctor in the podiatrist's office. And the bill was like, came up to be like $235, but the, the insurance was paying $510 for that amount. So she ended up with a check for almost $200 for the procedure. And I'll explain to her, I said, I go, now understand that that could have gone the other way. I was like, yeah, yeah that great. That, that, that $200 is yours. You can put it in the bank. But if you have another surgery, sometimes it exceeds the limit as well. So you have to be careful with them there. And, and typically when I do it, I, I'll, I'll package it a certain way to cover if, if, if there ever is an out-of-pocket expense. One of the big examples on them is a lot of them have like a $4,000 per day you know, hospital expense uh, per day, which is like your hospital room and board. Uh, the average in, in Indiana and Illinois, the average day in the hospital is $2,470. So three $4,000 should be enough, but sometimes it's not. Uh, so I actually had a client at you know, the same time I just got here, just, she just called me the other day. Uh, she ended up with a six thousand dollar balance, but the way we package it with a something with with, a, with a, we package it with something over top of it, like almost like an umbrella policy type thing. And even though she has sixty nine hundred dollar bill, we sent that to the other company, and they covered the sixty nine hundred dollars. So so she had knee surgery for zero. Actually, excuse me, her total out-of-pocket was two dollars two hundred seventy dollars for the knee surgery was her total amount. So you know you got to package these things right. So not not ev- not every broker can sell an indemnity product correctly. That, that's true, right? Um, because there's a lot of um, loopholes that could come out of it. And if you don't package it right or or buy the right one, it reminds me back in the day where I won't mention the carrier name, but where you and I started, they were selling $400 room and board rates. And uh, in Chicagoland area where the average room and board rate was still 1000 And they always claim, well, you're going to get a 50 to 70% discount um, so you're going to be well into that range. But the reality is the PPO discount on average is 30%. Uh, you could get as high as 90%, but there's no guarantee. As we're discovering now more and more since the Affordable Care Act, that these contracts that these insurance companies and the providers put together are are like uh, some call the purple unicorn of the universe. And so they're made up some fictitious number out of thin air and every procedure and every doctor is going to be a little bit different um, to some degree. And I remember shopping out or assisting a client out shopping out a, a surgery between two hospitals. Coincidentally, the doctor or the surgeon operated out of both hospitals and there was a $10,000 difference between the two hospitals and it was the same surgeon. It's, you know, you know, it's funny you say that, but because I, I have one recently, one of my clients needed a colonoscopy. Right, and and he was on a on a on a hospital plan, mm-hmm. and uh, the way way, way a particular hospital hospital indemnity plan was, they would pay three thousand dollars for a colonoscopy. Right, they cover up to three thousand dollars for that. He called Northwestern. Northwestern wanted nine grand for the for the colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. Right? We found a surgical center in it was your Lombard or Downers Grove or someplace. Doctor had privileges at the same place. All I had to do was change the procedure by by two weeks. Same doctor, different facility, eighteen hundred bucks. Eighteen hundred dollars 
So the guy, the guy made twelve hundred dollars on the colonoscopy because the plan was paying three thousand dollars for his colonoscopy. Yep. Uh, he got the fourteen hundred. So it's just, I mean, it's just crazy that you know a colonoscopy that they want to charge nine grand for something like that. And that's before they found the pile. That was nine grand just to kind of walk in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, people have to start doing their homework. Um, I, I, I tell people all the time that if we look at any other insurance product in the marketplace, your auto and home insurance, your business insurance. And none of them pay for thir- first dollar coverage. Um, and there's really not network or contracts. There's some uh, preferred partners, if you want to call it, but nothing like with the healthcare industry. Mm-hmm. But we demand so much out of it, but there's not enough transparency. And um, it's the only insurance product that we have a problem with. And uh, partly because when you look at the definition or what uh, insurance really is supposed to be there for, which is sudden expensive risks, um, going to the doctor is not a sudden expensive risk. And that surgery you're talking about is technically not a sudden expensive risk, right? And so it's almost like your uh, AC unit goes out in your house. Insurance is not going to pay for that. But I'm not advocating that we need to take away those surgeries or benefits that way. I just think that people need to be more responsible for first dollar coverage, start asking more questions, possibly shop around, have more transparency at the provider's level. There's a number of times, even with my own family, I would call up and ask for pricing. And their first response is, well, you have insurance. Why are you asking about what the cost of uh, this procedure is? Well, it's because I have a high deductible health plan, but no, like nobody understands that. And partly because the world was designed and, and built off of a greater benefit working for larger employers that provided this great benefit. And even that's changing because everybody's having a problem with healthcare. And so right. and they have been. So even the GMs and the uh, Ford Motor Companies of the world or even other things out of automotive industry, they're changing retiree benefits. Uh, like even the city of Chicago with the retirees, they kicked the spouses off to retiree benefits. So they had to go buy their own health insurance. And then they started changing instead of having a full-blown PPO nationwide retiree plan for all the retired policemen, firemen, and city workers. They went to a Medicare Advantage plan, which restricted access to a whole bunch of stuff. And so it, it gets crazy in that world. Well, on out there, my, on my, when my son was, when my youngest son, he, he was actually was, he's 16 today, so it was probably exactly 16 years ago, uh, they were taking him to, to get his hearing test. They were, they were like, uh, we got to take him to get a hearing test. I said, what's the cost? They said, insurance pays for it. I said, wrong answer. I went, I clapped my hands. He went like this. I said, he can hear, don't do the test. You know, uh, Butch, I, you know, you, you, that whole idea of transparency reminded me just like a few, maybe like six months ago or less, my dad woke up and he was having like some, some numbness in his fingertips and things. And he's like, uh, this is not good. So he, he said, you know what, let's go right away. They went to the emergency room. They said, uh, everything looks good, but we want to keep you for observation, keyword. Mm-hmm. And they said, we don't know what your insurance company is going to pay. So can you sign this form just saying that you'll take care of the rest? Yeah. And my, I was really sick. proud of my dad because he's like, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. like, like Eric said, wrong answer. Yeah. And uh, so then they sent the doctor in. And they mm-hmm. said, the doctor's like, uh, I understand you're, you're not going to sign the form to, to do the observation. He said, right. not if you can't tell me what this observation is going to cost me and what they wanted to. So they decided, you know what, uh, we'll, we'll, we, we magically found room in the MRI machine for you. And so they went and did an MRI, found he had a TIA that morning. And, you know, it's just like, come on, folks, you know, but yeah. you gotta, you've got to advocate for yourself. 
Yes. You know, no one else is going to advocate for you. That's correct. Especially nowadays, like you had mentioned that they're trying to get you to sign off in that form. And if you're admitted, for example, uh, there's providers that touch you or come in and talk to you and you don't even know who they are. And they don't even, sometimes they're not even in the network, but you have no idea. You didn't have a choice. They're like, oh, you know, uh, can you pick a provider, right? When you're in the hospital, but they, they pick it when you're most vulnerable or they try to take advantage of it and it's yeah. indirect. And, um, there, there's actually so many books that are being published by physicians right now that talked about that they they were part of the vulnerability of the system. And so they didn't know any better and it kept advocating for more. And then finally the light bulb went off and say, what are we doing these patients? But it'll take a long time to reverse the cycle and be more responsible for those um, claims. But um, that'll be a whole nother topic altogether. But now, Jason, you had mentioned a little bit about short-term plans. Um, so what, what are some of the pros and cons of the short-term plans? Yeah, you know, I always, um, you know, when I'm consulting someone, um, for me, you know, I, I tell them our first place, like they come to me and say, hey, I don't have health insurance. Um, love it or hate it, you know, with the Obamacare, ACA, Affordable Care Act, Marketplace. I say this is our first stop. You know, uh, you know, if you have, you know, a qualifying event, if you have an enrollment opportunity, um, let's look at that. Let's find out if it's affordable. Let's find out, you know, if you qualify because of some of the limitations on those short-term medical plans. And you have to know that, hey, these may be a viable option for you, but they really were not intended to be, you know, your major medical long-term health insurance. They were intended to be short-term medical plans, just like their name implies. And so they are limited. Um, generally, uh, your, your, uh, your pre-existing conditions are, are going to be excluded. If you do have pre-existing conditions, chances are you may not even be accepted for these plans. Um, you know, maternity, uh, well baby, preventative, a lot of those things are, are not gonna be covered. You may have some prescription coverage, maybe generic only, maybe a discount card, um, but you have to have to know what the limitation of these short-term medical plans are. There are some pros as well, but uh, know what you're getting into before you you jump into one of these plans. Actually, I know Eric's getting a little restless over there. Uh, so Eric, uh, can you sh share with us what uh, Illinois has done with our short-term medical plans? Well, unlike Indiana, we can now do a three-year short-term plan in Illinois, we got a whopping six months and no renewal. I mean, you can you, you got to go 60 days before you re, yes. re, renew with the same company. You can go to a different company after six months. But if you got sick along the way, if you got sick in month four or month five, you're, you're then uninsurable. So yes. uh, they've, they've really d done a disservice uh, in the short-term. So, so like in Illinois, like I had a client call me yesterday, and they have some conditions I don't know if they would qualify for. And and this this couple, you know, they 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 just they just got a new job, so they lost. They were on Medicaid or expanded Medicaid, new job, and the kids are still on the Medicaid, but with their income, it was still going to cost them five hundred dollars a month for an ACA plan. But that's where they needed to be on an ACA plan. And they were like, "Well, we got quoted by United Healthcare three hundred and seventy dollars." I'm like, "Well, there's two problems. There one, you, you, you're probably not going to medically qualify. At least at least one of them wasn't going to medically qualify." Two, it's only March, so six months only gets you to September. You know, if something happens along the way, you know, you, you know, you're in trouble. And they, you know, the the, 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 the the husband had had a heart issue, so I mean, I wouldn't touch a short-term plan with a 10-foot pole with this person. Now, they were saying 
$500 was too much. They were saying $379 was too much for him. And I was like, oh, that's you know, really anything under 700 for your age is really probably a good deal if it's priced right. I mean, from if, if the coverage is right. But they were – I'm guessing they're going to purchase that short-term plan from somebody. It's not going to be me because I, I can't do it. That's Again, they're probably going to be declined if they go that route. But if, if somehow they are, uh, are, are taken by, by that person, that's, that's a short-term plan I wouldn't touch. And, and that's not to say I wouldn't do a short-term plan for six months at this time of year if I had to. It was right for the client, but normally in Illinois this time of year, it's not right for the client. You, you know, if they don't have a, an enrollment period, um, you know, and they don't got anything, um, like that's that, like this lady that texts me, you know, Eric, I, I'm sure you probably do the same thing. I mean, she was great health. So she was a, a perfect candidate and she was getting ready to go on Medicare in the next several months. So, um, but yeah, like, just like you said, if, if that's their only option, um, and, and I, it sounds like, Eric, you like to pair like the indemnity or the hospital plans with the ACA is that? Uh, do, do you do that right now? No, I, I, I pair the indemnity plan with either with either a short term plan, a catastrophic short term, or once in a while a faith based product. I was gonna I was gonna bring up the the, the health sharing. Do you, do you I I don't get too much into those. Do you guys get involved with those? I don't get involved because they're, because they're not insurance. I mm-hmm. do refer to a certain dependent upon the client. I, I will, I will, I, you know, I'll, I'll package a short-term plan and say, hey, I, I would recommend you do this. And I've had good success with, with I, I, I've, I've dealt with, with multiple health shares and some have been crap and some have been great. I mean, there, there's one company that I was referring to for a while and I will not refer to that company ever, 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 ever again, no matter what, period, because they're, 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 that, that one company is just terrible. There's another one that's fantastic. Uh, that I would refer to. Now, all, all the health shares, most of them only have, only have $125,000 or $150,000 per claim limit. So that can never be a standalone product in my mind because $125,000 is, you know, cancer is going to cost a quarter of a million. So, I mean, you know, you don't, you don't want to touch one of them as a standalone product. If you're using it as a supplemental type thing, like in my case, I was telling you about the one client I just had who, you know, you know, had a bill for $6,600. We sent that to, to the faith-based product. I have no problem getting $6,600 out of a faith-based company. I don't want to try and get 66,000 out of them, <laughs> you know? So, uh, so I, I think it's, I think it's a different way. Now in Indiana, I'll, I'll use, a, I'll use a United healthcare plan, you know, $12,500 deductible short term all day long with, with, a, with a, with a indemnity product. And, you know, and that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Cause that, cause that gives you the, that gives you your stop loss. It gives you additional network coverage. And, and that $12,500 deductible is probably going to be very close to a zero deductible when it's all said and done because the indemnity plan is going to, going to play the hospital side of things. And, and, and so is the, you know, because, because the indemnity plan can be paid, in, in can, you know, they don't coordinate benefits with, with, right. with a short-term plan. So, you know, my, my $12,000 deductible is probably, you know, three days in the hospital is probably a $2,000 deductible. So, so that's what I do in Indiana. That's, that's what I used to do in Illinois before they changed the laws there. So, you know, it varies, you know, in different states do I do it different ways, but I'm a, I'm a big fan of the indemnity product with the, with United Healthcare or Pivot $12,500 deductible. Huge fan of that. Get some extra meat on the bone versus having some of those limitations. And that, that, that solves all the limitation rules or problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know some of my take on those shared programs, uh, like Eric had mentioned that it's not insurance. Um, right. So... 
So I always say, look at, you know, I've never heard of a story, at least personally, I haven't heard any stories of a claim being denied or having issues. Um, I, I know people, oh, have you? Oh, so yeah. you got stories, but, but I, but I always say it goes to review board. Your trust and faith is in a review board. It is usually faith-based. So they're acting in supposedly the best interest of everybody, but, but that also means they could be acting in the best interest of the pool of the money. And so if you ha start having major claims, there's potentially they're going to be some issues. Now, everybody that I know that rolled off of health plans from that are a client of mine or, or connected uh, in some fashion, they haven't had any issues. I've heard as much as a hundred thousand dollar claim and not had any claim issues, but right. there's one of them out there called, I don't remember what's called now. I don't want, I don't want to mention it anyway, but mm -hmm. when you read the thing, it's, it says clearly in their brochure and nobody reads the brochure. I, you know, I, I read them. It says, if we only take in, you know, 40% of the money we need to pay claims this month, we're only paying 40% of your claim. Here's an example. So it pays, you know, so if they don't take in enough money, they don't pay enough out, you know, so that's, it's, 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 it's the dice you're rolling, you know, and, and they're a newer company, so they don't have the, the cash reserves, you know, so, you know, some of them, like I said, you, you got to read them because some of them are really good and some of them, man, I wouldn't sell to Hitler or wouldn't offer to Hitler. <laughs> and, then, and there's also one of, you'll love this, this is my favorite. It says, everything must be pre-authorized before, before we'll pay it. Now imagine having a heart attack at two o'clock in the morning and, and say, before you call 911, <laughs> try to call them and get them on the line. Yeah. I mean, even some of the ACA HMO products, I think have done some of that where that you have to have it pre-authorized within a certain time frame. But a lot of times the emergency room or the emergency billing, uh, they eliminate some of that, especially if you're out of network, especially because of the Affordable Care Act rules that are on there. But It'll be interesting where, where things head to in the future, depending. I always say healthcare will change, even if it's the, the current administration that stays in office or if there's a change in office, healthcare is going to change. So uh, for some of us that live through some of that, we're going to be a little bit more uh, fluid with it because of what happened before, because when it was signed into law, and Eric could probably attest to this for being in the industry so long that some of us didn't think it was going to get as far as it did. And, and then finally it got passed and we're like, well, it's just going to be a train wreck. It's not going to get anywhere. And here we are, it's 2020, it's 10 years after the signing of the bill and, um, and we still have it. And so, so we can't put anything past the government and what they're going to do. We just got to adapt and try to help provide guidance to these individuals, families, and employers uh, as, as we move through some of the regulation and then some of the loopholes. And we're talking about some of those now. I know uh, one thing that came to mind when you guys were just uh, talking is uh, as people go through some of the changes that are going on now, whether you are the employer and you're dealing with employees or you need to provide health insurance for your own family, is that there is a specific window for qualifying coverage. So if an employer lets you go or you decide to quit thinking there might be another opportunity or whatever the situation is right now, that loss of coverage is a qualifying event. So if you're looking to gain a traditional health insurance plan um, through the exchanges or off exchange, you only have a certain window uh, on that. Um, Jason, can you comment a little bit more on that window just to make sure because people will procrastinate because they're in hibernation right now. And so they do need to make sure it's important, but they do have a little bit of time. Yeah. I mean, number one, and I always like wonder, like, why do people <laughs> procrastinate? Um, you know, we, especially I, I deal a ton in Medicare and we have this enrollment window and people call me like, Hey, you know, I turned 65 next, like, like at the end of the month, it's like, I'm, you know, starting tomorrow. And I'm like, 
have you signed up? They're like, no. I'm like, why not? You know, so number one, I would say, like, just don't procrastinate. As soon as you realize something's happening, like call, you know, call your local independent insurance agent, whether it's one of, one of us or someone else, because chances are like we have a lot of technology where we can, can make this happen over the phone. Um, we can send you a text message, an email, and, uh, and get this coverage going in place, whether it's a phone call or, or electronically. And so you don't have to worry about, you know, going out and meeting with somebody or going into an office or this social distancing. So, so number one, um, you know, don't, don't procrastinate. But, yeah, if, if you find yourself in the place, um, 60 days, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from your loss, you know, if you lose your coverage, um, you've got that 60-day window, but um, all of these, you know, especially the ACA, Medicare, these types of things, uh, the government's got their fingers in it. And whenever mm-hmm. the government, you know, has their fingers in something, I say, man, give them as much time as possible because yeah. yeah. if they can screw something up, I mean, they will. So Yeah. Yeah, but it, it is a good point. I mean, 60 days is a lot of time, uh, and it shouldn't be confused with outside of what's going on today, uh, other qualifying events. So, like, for example, they get married or have a child, you only have 30 days, and mm-hmm. a lot of time will pass, especially you have a kid, you're in the hospital. Let's say there were some delays because of jaundice or, you know, some other observation that occurs. Then you get the child home, and you're you're losing sleep. You only have 30 days, it's so you have to – not be confused by some of the guidelines when you're doing your own homework, but uh, it is definitely something to think about. But also, um, you know, like the Affordable Care Act plans, if you apply, you have 60 days, but you're still only going to get the coverage the first of the month after you apply. And so if you get terminated mid-month, we've had this situation, there could be a small gap of insurance because in most states, the coverage will always start on the first of the month and there could be a small gap. And that's where some short-term medical is yeah, yeah, that's a great point, you know, picking up a short-term medical to get you through. Maybe one of you guys can, can clarify this because I'm um, not all of your enrollment periods. Uh, so in, in Indiana, the same way, first of the next month. But like if you lose employer coverage, that will, you know, at any time in the month, you sign up to start the first of the next month. But if I remember right, some of the enrollment periods, if you sign up after the 15th, you, it may take you, you know, to the first of the following month. Right. And yeah. So right. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? Well, well, yeah. Generally speaking, I mean, so something, you know, uh, it was if you saw, you usually you, you got to go between the first and the fifteenth for the first of the next month. After the you know, on the sixteenth, it, it defaults to a month later. There are there are some deals where, where we'll go to the first month, you know, loss of coverage type thing. You know, if you if you if you lost coverage, you know, the, it, like I, I had a client who lost, who lost coverage. Uh, at the end of the month or was losing coverage at the end of the month. Uh, that's what it was. But client called beforehand. They were losing coverage on the first of, on the first of the month. And they called me at the end of February. And because they were just losing coverage, they were still able to get it for the first of the month. Uh, even though, even though they applied on the, it was like the 27th or 28th of February because they were just losing it. Uh, but in the other situation, if they've already lost it, then, 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 then you, then you lose a month. So you got to act, you know, you know, if you know you're losing your coverage, act now, don't, don't wait for, don't wait till an effort. Yeah, for cancels. Yep, yeah, exactly. Um, you could also uh, play the grace period for Cobra in the meantime, even though short term is more a little bit more guaranteed and costs less. But uh, you could play the Cobra route, and uh, if something happens, you send that premium in, depending on what the gap. It's all about strategy, cash flow, and making sure that you have the protection that you're going to need. I recommend it to one of my customers. Yes, I said, look, I would just play. I would just play the. You know, you have insurance starting in sixty days. 
Play the Cobra game. Yeah, play the the Cobra game. Cobra. I mean, if if somebody comes off of an employer plan, uh, let's say they're white collar or professional, or they make enough money where they don't qualify for the tax credit, but even young families may not qualify for the tax credit because the government feels you're young enough, you should be able to afford a certain premium based on income. Like in a, like if you're a family of four or five and you're making eighty to hundred thousand dollars a year and you're under a certain age, um, it's not based on age, but it's based on a percentage of premium. But your premiums will be less and you won't qualify for the tax credit. So if you're some of those, Cobras could be a better deal because you're going to pay full retail on the individual health insurance market. And, and the whole exchange thing, uh, I just want to point out is I always call it a third-party administrator for tax credits. And that's really all it's there for. You're still getting insurance through the insurance company. The claims are going to be processed through the insurance company. The only reason in life that, that uh, they're there, whether you're using the federal exchange or the state-based exchange, depending on what state you're in, it's still a third-party administrator to administrate a tax credit. And the reason they I, at least I think the reason they did it was to tr- control that cash that people were going to collect from the government on a monthly basis and funnel it to the insurance company. If you're not receiving any tax credit, there is absolutely zero reason to go on the exchange because they add an extra layer of, of trouble in some ways. I mean, they've made mistakes or it's just another bur- uh, burden on the healthcare system to administer a health plan, whether it's related to a premium or a plan change you would have to go through the exchange to get an approval and then they have to send that to the insurance company. And so um, I would advise staying off the exchange if, if possible, but there are times where the system works much smoother, depending on the state and the qualifying event, what the situation is based on whether or not your borderline tax credit or not will uh, determine if you should go through the exchange or not. If, but if you're borderline, but also if you're borderline tax credit, you can do an HSA. If you're going to fund the HSA, if you know that's going to get you, you know, in, in cause you, that's a, that's another $7,000 tax deduction. Tax credit. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but even if they're, uh, that, and that's a great point too, and that could be a whole nother webinar, but if you're borderline, you should go on the exchange because you file your tax return. Even if you didn't take any tax credit, you'll get that right. as a refund at the end of the year. Right. Uh, a misnomer is, is that if you buy, let's say you went direct to the company using your professional broker that um, you think that you file your tax return, you should get a refund if you qualified or hit that income bracket. I wish they did that, but they didn't. And the reason I say that is because everybody's situation is a little bit different and um, kind of like earned income credit. In fact, the healthcare tax or the, the subsidy is mirroring many of the regulations of the earned income credit, uh, but they're allowing the earned income credit, which is now the, I think now it moved from the number one fraud on tax returns to number two, because the healthcare tax credit is number one now. Uh, at least that's what I've heard. But uh but um, they've left that up to the tax person, uh, which is fine. I think they should have done that with the health insurance. That way, if the family goes through a hardship period, regardless of what time of the year, if they were still continuing to pay for the health insurance, at least uh, they could get a, a little bit of financial aid from the government. Jason, it looks like you're going to say something. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think it's like in, you know, I don't know, uh, and Eric, you know, you, you sound like you write more nationally. Um, like in Indiana, we don't have any major medical off exchange. And so if you're going to get a major medical mm. fully qualified plan, um, it's only going to be through, through the exchange. That's I guess that's true. Yeah. It depends on where you're at. Um, I guess we're fortunate that in Illinois and we we're fortunate of, uh, I think Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois was the, uh, the one that lasted the longest with the nationwide PPO network. All the other ones dissolved it almost immediately. 
And then uh, Blue Cross of Illinois just kept on for a long time until they couldn't sustain it anymore and they eliminated it, even uh, having access to it. It's still available in small group um, and a large group, obviously, but small groups could gain access to it. In fact, it's flip-flop where small group, if you don't qualify for the tax credit, it's cheaper to buy the small group plan versus going through mm. uh, the health plan. So uh, it's definitely reversed. But um, a couple of things I want to comment on is um, – you know, business owners need to strategize some of this going forward. Uh, and I would say that's, I don't get a, I haven't got a whole lot of calls in the last week, but uh, we've gotten a number of them that uh, we, uh, what if this happens? What if we have to let them go? We're able to sustain and keep paying them. Even some of them taking some extra time off that assuming this thing blows over in a reasonable time frame, that the employee will just come back and earn that time back. And, and, and they're just trying to keep it fair with the employee so they can, their, their personal income doesn't really change. Their lifestyle doesn't change. And so they're trying to make things work. And so they're trying to say, okay, what's next? Like what, what happens if we start letting people go? How does the administration uh, go? Some of these small companies, even if they have 25 employees, they've never let anybody go. They have no idea what COBRA compliance is. They don't know what even mini COBRA in certain states uh, that have. So there are certain steps that need to be addressed. And if HR hasn't gone through it, they need to definitely start taking that that uh, on those steps, uh, especially and then educate their employees. The employees are freaking out. And so they need to have calm down, talk about their options, make sure it's easy, bring in a professional so they could walk through all those options um, as well as keeping them on the health plan or move them to another company uh, plan and make the transition easier, whatever's going to be easier on it. But I just wanted to throw that out there. Hey gang, ever wonder what it's like to be a small business owner? It's confusing, weird expenses coming out of nowhere, and when you throw in health insurance, forget it. Nobody understands how that works. If you own a business, big or small, it's one of the biggest expenses you have all year long. And yet, we all wait until open enrollment at the end of the year, and then we think to ourselves, next year, next year I'll get a jump on it. And then it's another year of paying way too much. If you're a business owner, big or small, HR representative that wants to impress the boss, Give Butch Zemar of Elite Benefits of America a call. Save yourself or your boss thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars a year. Reach out to Butch right now, 708-535-3006, or shoot him an email, butch at elitebenefits.net. And be sure to check out the Zemar podcast. Don't wait till the last minute. Put Butch Zemar to work for you now. In the interest of time, we'll start wrapping it up. But Eric, do you have any final thoughts on some of the people going through the transition and some of the challenges that people are running through right now with um, the whole virus scare and people in lockdown? No, I would just say beware of scams. Uh, I was on a call, in actually it's playing now on uh, America's Workforce Radio in Ohio, playing right now in interviews from this morning. Uh, they were talking about, you know, Scams are going on, not not so much in my area, but in some places where, you know, just like you saw during open Roma, you saw Trump Care. And, you know, even there is no such thing, but it was a website, Trump by Trump Care. And all it was was a short-term plan. Apparently now there's coronavirus insurance going ar- around there. So uh, there is no such thing as coronavirus insurance, everyone. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you know, d- 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 don't think you're buying something that doesn't exist. It's, you know, it might be good marketing or maybe sleazy marketing, depending on how you define it, but it, it's not there. So you want to buy a short-term plan or some get some kind of coverage great you know indemnity uh, you know in most cases you can't get an ACA plan unless you're like Butch said uh qualify for, for an SCP whatever you get if you want to buy something fine do your due diligence 
but don't buy it because they say it's coronavirus insurance. That's true. How about you, Jason? Any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, what, what I would say is, you know, uh, that's good, good advice, Eric, about not getting scammed. Um, but, but if you, like, number one, if you don't have health insurance, mm-hmm. like you should. Mm-hmm. Um, be responsible, especially now that, I mean, we, we really don't know what the whole trajectory, how this virus is going to kind of adapt and change. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a good time to, to get yourself and your family covered in case you do catch, in case you do end up being one of the small percentage that end up being hospitalized for a long time. And we want to make sure that you're protected. Number two, if you do have health insurance, whether it's through an employer or yourself, and you're contemplating the affordability of it because you have lost wages, like talk to, talk to your local independent insurance agent, um, kind of reach out to one of us. We may, we may know things that you have no idea about, and we may be able to help you come up with a solution where you can keep your coverage, where it can maintain the affordability, and, uh, and we all sleep good at night. Definitely seek out a professional uh, trying to figure it out on your own. We'll spend hours and you're probably still going to pull your hair out and you might be bald. And uh, healthcare doesn't cover replacement. Uh, that's cosmetic. But I appreciate it. we got Eric uh, from iCell Health, Chicagoland area. we got Jason. Deniston. Deniston Insurance. And, yeah, yep. Deniston. Yep. And then uh, he's out of the Indi- Indianapolis area. I appreciate both of you guys uh, taking some time. Hey, thanks for putting this together.